The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 4, Chapter 17. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Argreda, describes how the Magi kings return to see and adore the infant Jesus. They offer their gifts when they are leaving, and return to their homes by a different route. 565. From the Grotto of the Nativity, into which the three kings had entered directly on their way to Jerusalem they betook themselves to a lodging inside of the town of Bethlehem. They retired to a room where, in an abundance of affectionate tears and aspirations, they spent the greater part of the night speaking of what they had seen, of the feelings and affections aroused in each, and of what each had noticed for himself in the divine child and his mother. During this conference they were more and more inflamed with divine love, amazed at the majesty and divine effulgence of the infant Jesus, at the prudence modesty and reserve of his mother, at the holiness of her spouse Joseph, and the poverty of all three and at the humbleness of the place where the Lord of heaven and earth had wished to be born. The devout kings felt a divine fire, which flamed up in their hearts, and not being able to restrain themselves, they broke out into exclamations of sweet affection and acts of great reverence and love. What is this that we feel? What influence of this great king is it that moves us to such desires and affections? After this, how shall we converse with men? What can we do who have been instructed in such new hidden and supernatural mysteries? O greatness of his omnipotence unknown to men and concealed beneath so much poverty! O humility unimaginable for mortals! If only they would be drawn to it in order that they may not be deprived of such happiness. 566. During these divine conversations the Magi remembered the dire destitution of Jesus Mary and Joseph in their cave, and they resolved immediately to send them some gifts in order to show their affection and to satisfy their desire of serving them, since they could not do anything else for them. Through their servants they sent many of the presents, which they had already set aside for them, and others which they could procure. Most Holy Mary and Joseph received these gifts with humble acknowledgement and they made a return not of empty words of thanks, as other men are apt to make, but many efficacious blessings for the spiritual consolation of the three kings. These gifts enabled our great queen to prepare for her ordinary guests, the poor, she gave them an abundant meal. For the needy ones were accustomed to receive alms from her, and attracted still more by her sweet words and were used to coming and visiting her. The kings went to rest full of incomparable joy in the Lord, and in their sleep the angels advised them as to their journey homeward. 567. On the following day at dawn they returned to the cave of the Nativity in order to offer to the heavenly king the special gifts which they had provided. Arriving they prostrated themselves anew in profound humility, and opening their treasures, as scripture relates, they offered him gold, incense and myrrh, Matthew 2:11. They consulted the Heavenly Mother in regard to many mysteries and practices of faith, and concerning matters pertaining to their consciences and to the government of their countries, for they wished to return well instructed and capable of directing themselves to holiness and perfection in their daily life. The great lady heard them with exceeding pleasure and she conferred interiorly with the divine infant concerning all that they had asked, in order to answer and properly instruct these sons of the new law. 
As a teacher and an instrument of divine wisdom she answered all their questions, giving them such high precepts of sanctity that they could scarcely part from her on account of the sweetness and attraction of her words. However, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, reminding them of the necessity and of the will of the Lord that they should return to their country. No wonder that her words should so deeply affect these kings, for all her words were inspired by the Holy Spirit and full of infused science regarding all that they had inquired and many other matters. 568. The Heavenly Mother received the gifts of the kings and in their name offered them to the infant Jesus. His Majesty showed by signs of highest pleasure, that He accepted their gifts, they themselves became aware of the exalted and heavenly blessings with which He repaid them more than a hundredfold, Matthew 19.29. According to the custom of their country they also offered to the Heavenly Princess some gems of great value, but because these gifts had no mysterious significance and referred not to Jesus, she returned them to the kings, reserving only the gifts of gold, incense and myrrh. In order to send them away more rejoiced, she gave them some of the clothes in which she had wrapped the infant God, for she neither had nor could have had any greater visible pledges of esteem with which to enrich them at their departure. The three kings received these relics with such reverence and esteem that they encased them in gold and precious stones in order to keep them ever after. As a proof of their value these relics spread about such a copious fragrance that they revealed their presence a league in circumference. However, only those who believed in the coming of God into the world were able to perceive it, while the incredulous perceived none of the fragrance emitted by the relics. In their own countries the Magi performed great miracles with these relics. 569. The holy kings also offered their property and possession to the mother of the sweetest Jesus, or if she did not wish to accept them and preferred to live in this place where her most holy son had been born, they would build her a house, wherein she could live more comfortably. The most prudent mother thanked them for their offers without accepting them. On taking leave of her, the three kings besought her from their inmost hearts not to forget them, which she promised and fulfilled, in the same way they spoke to Saint Joseph. With the blessing of Jesus Mary and Joseph, they departed, so moved by tenderest affection that it seemed to them they had left their hearts all melted into sighs and tears in that place. They chose another way for their return journey, in order not to meet Herod in Jerusalem, for thus they had been instructed by the angel on the preceding night. On their departure from Bethlehem the same or a similar star appeared in order to guide them home, conducting them on their new route to the place where they had first met, where each one separated to reach his own country. 570. For the rest of their lives these most fortunate kings lived up to their divine vocation as true disciples of the Mistress of Holiness, governing both their souls and the people of their states according to her teaching. By the example of their lives and the knowledge of the Messiah, which they spread about, they converted a great number of souls to the belief in the true God and to the way of salvation. Finally, full of days and merits, they closed their careers in sanctity and justice, having been favored both in life and in death by the Mother of Mercy. After dismissing the kings, the Heavenly Queen and St. Joseph spent their time in new canticles of praise of the wonders of the Most High, conferring them with the sayings of the Scriptures, and the prophecies of the Patriarchs, 
which they saw fulfilled one after another in the infant Jesus. But the most prudent mother, who profoundly penetrated into the deepest meaning of these high sacraments, remembered them all and treasured them up in her bosom. Luke 2:19. The holy angels who were witnesses of these holy mysteries congratulated their queen that her most holy son had been manifested and that his majesty had been adored by men and they sang to him new canticles magnifying his mercies wrought upon mankind. The instruction which the queen of heaven gave me. 571. My daughter, great were the gifts which the kings offered to my most holy son, but greater still was the affection with which they offered them and the mystery concealed beneath them. On account of all this they were most acceptable to his majesty. I wish that you also offer up similar gifts, thanking him for having made you poor in condition and profession. For I assure you, my dearest, there is no more acceptable gift to the Most High than voluntary poverty. There are very few in the world in our days who use well the temporal riches and offer them to their God and Lord with the generosity and love of these holy kings. The poor of the Lord, so numerous in our day, experience and give witness how cruel and avaricious human nature has become, since in their great necessities they are assisted so little by the rich. This gross uncharitableness of men, offends the holy angels and grieves the Holy Ghost, since they are bound to witness the nobility of the souls so degraded and abased in the service of vile greed for gold, with all its evil powers, Sirach 10.20. As if all things had been created for the individual use of the rich, they appropriate them to themselves and deprive the poor, their brothers springing from the same nature and flesh, and denying them even to God, who created and preserves all things, and who can give or take at will. It is most lamentable that while the rich might purchase eternal life with their possessions, they abuse them to draw upon themselves damnation as senseless and foolish creatures. Luke 16 9. 572. This evil is common among the children of Adam, and therefore voluntary poverty is so excellent and safe a remedy. By it, making man willing to part joyfully with his possessions for the sake of the poor, a great sacrifice is offered to the Lord. You also can make such an offering of the things necessary for sustenance, giving a part of it to the poor and desiring if it were possible by your labor and sweat, to help all of them. Your ceaseless offer, however, must be love, which is the gold, continual prayer, which is the incense, and the patient acceptance of labors and true mortifications, which is the man. All that you do for the Lord, you should offer up to him with fervent affection and promptness, without negligence or fear, for negligent works, and those not enlivened by love, are not an acceptable sacrifice in the eyes of his majesty. In order to make those incessant offerings, it is necessary that divine faith and light continually inflame your heart, having before your eyes the great object of your praise and exaltation, and the stimulus of love, by which you are bound to the right hand of the Most High. 
Thus you should continue incessantly in this sweet exercise of love, so proper to the spouses of His Majesty, for their name implies such a continual payment of the debt of love and affection.